You're listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts, powered by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. Welcome to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast with the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. I'm your host, Travis Condon, joined by programs and event manager, Kat Deal, also from the Chamber. Kat, how are you? I'm good. Good afternoon, everybody. So, Kat, this is a history-making podcast in more ways than one. Before we started this, we were actually discussing with our guest today that this is not only the first podcast on the road, yes, but it's also the first podcast in the brew barn at Red Apple Farm. We have the honor of being the first ever. We are the first of many things as well because... Our guests have informed us as well that this is their first podcast. How, how much more special can it be today? So joining us today to talk about all the good things we have at Red Apple Farm and the Brew Barn, we have Al Rose and also Rick Walton. Al, Rick, thanks for being here. Hey. You bet. Thanks for having this, us. This is scary, even though it's not live. Because <laughs> <laughs> we are recording. <laughs> so, Al, I was doing some research on Red Apple Farm, and I know I've been out for different events here, but I, I didn't realize just how far back the history went that you're actually, Red Apple Farm dates back, it's as old as Fenway Park and Oreos. Is that correct? 1912. That's, 1912. The, that's that special year. So that was the year the farm started yep. as Red Apple Farm. Obviously, it's a old, historic um, farmstead where you've, you've got a colonial house, colonial buildings, and obviously some fields have been here since the 1700s. But Red Apple Farm, the genesis was 1912. And believe it or not, we still have one of the original planted Macintosh trees from 1912. It's, wow. the, it's not doing too good. It's starting to show its age, but it's still producing apples. So. Wow. <laughs> we call it the oldest commercially planted Macintosh in existence. So it's, it's an old one. And for you, what's it like to keep on the family legacy? What are you, third or fourth generation at this point? I'm the fourth to own it, third to live here. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always said it's a it's a blessing and it's kind of a curse too, right? Because you, you, any kind of family business comes with all the trials and tribulations that are associated with the family business. But it's really an honor and a blessing that we've been able to carry it on. And, and it's been, you know, yeah, generations of my family that have been part of this, but I was just talking to our newest employee today, David, and he just said, you know, it's so cool working here because he's been coming here since he was a kid. He's obviously, I think, in his late 30s now, but, yeah. you know, there's been generations of customers have come to the farm, and, and we have a lot of employees who their grandfathers worked here, their aunts worked here, you know, and, and, and tomorrow, uh, two 15-year-old kids are going to start working, and they're... Uh, one is their uncle works here and one their mom works here. So it's it, it just neat how many families have made our part of Red Apple Farm. So that's one of the coolest parts about it. That's pretty amazing. And Red Apple Farm is a staple of the Phillipston community located right at 455 Highland Ave. Very easy to get to off of Route 2. And we're actually in the Brew Barn, which is a relatively new addition, a couple years old at this point. And I want to bring uh, Rick into the conversation because Rick, Gardner Alehouse, Moonhill Brewing, you're associated with those two names. But I got to ask, how did the Moonhill Brewing kind of come out of the alehouse that you had in Gardner? And how did that whole all start up? It's my wife. She's, um, they're actually very tickled in Lexington, <laughs> Massachusetts, those who actually know about the Moon Hill Brewing Company. But she lived at 36 Moon Hill, uh, growing up in a, in a uh, quite an interesting neighborhood. Um, it was a, a group of professionals, architects, doctors, you know, lawyers and stuff, all put these buildings together that were... Uh, all these flat-topped houses, I think it's, they're on the historic register. The neighborhood was called Moon Hill. The street was called Moon Hill. They had a corporation called Six Moon Hill. Mm-hmm. And it was Moon because there's a, a car manufacturer called Moon back, back in the day, like the early 1900s, a pretty, uh, a pretty well-known at the time car manufacturer. They found six moons in a barn on the property when they bought it to 
put up their, their flat top beautiful houses. So that's where the name comes that's, from. I, I, I have no imagination. <laughs> I, I just said, okay, let's call it Moon Hill. That's a great name. Yeah. With and, a great history as well to go with it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And it, it was an, a, an incredible neighborhood um, designed by these uh, Bauhaus architects um, led by Walter Gropius, who's, um, if you're in the world of architecture, that's a cool name. So let's talk a little bit about the brewing uh, with Moonhill Brewing, because this is a brand that's really expanded over North Central Massachusetts over the years. And how many different beers do you currently brew at Moonhill Brewing? In, in any one year, we probably have about 25 different beers that we brew. And at any one time, we have 14 to 16 on tap. Wow. And I feel like for those that like to drink like this is really kind of a renaissance if you will i think time there's so many different choices it's not like you just go to a package store and there's just a few brands i mean there's the brew barn there's so many different places there's gardner alehouse and you can really get so many different choices from each company it seems nowadays it's awful (laughs) (laughs) it it really is you know it's like looking at a a menu with just too many choices on it people people have a hard time deciding what what to do i mean i was on the west coast recently um and found myself a customer you know, in a, in a package store. They don't call them package stores out there. And uh, I couldn't figure out what to buy. I mean, it was just, well, for one thing, it was IPA after IPA after IPA after, and I was looking for a German lager, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's tough. It's tough for our, us beer drinkers out there. I mean, you can think of it as kid in the candy store, but you can also think of it as like, just give me a beer. Yeah. yeah. I know it's going to be good because <laughs> lately all the beers are just fantastic. They really are. They are. And too many choices. I get to that. And if you are looking for a beer, great place to do it and get one is actually right here at the Brew Barn. So how did this collaboration form? Um, how did you two come together and decide that this would be a, a great venture for the farm and for Moonhill Brewing? Well, it began at the beach. It did. It, like all good things started at yeah. the beach, right? <laughs> the beach. We, we ran into each other at the beach. We, we both live in Phillipston, and we were, we were both at the beach um, at one time. And... Uh, recognized each other and had heard of each other that sort of thing just got to be hey hey friends kind of thing how you doing what are you into what's your thing and uh it it became more and more that we started working together with basically various festivals um here on the property and uh he would also engage in our Oktoberfest in gardner um Mm -hmm. year after year and we just got to know each other really well and um well i I don't want to talk too much but no uh, no go, go ahead but I uh, I was talking with my uh, my brewer and my sales rep, you know, and we were talking about all these pop ups that people were having and stuff, you know, uh, a second location to pour beer, and it just you know came to me like, wait a minute, I know that I know Al and Nancy Rose, and uh, they've got this great place and they've got this barn where they do weddings, and let's talk, and we talked, and it, it took off like it took off like crazy from there. I mean, it's changed quite a bit from that first. Six years ago, almost I think, they you know summer we had the brew barn. But it's adding up. It's it's changed quite a bit now. Well, one funny unfold. thing that I remember was uh, when you presented the idea. I don't know if you text me or email me or something. Let's get well, together. I ran, I ran, no, it was even better. I ran into you at the at the ale yeah, house. I was there eating, and Rick's like, "Did you get the, my text?" Yeah. I'm like, "No, I didn't." And, and next, you know, we're right. presenting this oh, wonderful yeah, exactly. brew barn idea. Well, we didn't know what to call it. But. Right. A collaboration, and, and it started as a summer thing, a summer yeah. gig. Right. We used to do, I don't know, up to 70 weddings a year in this barn. Mm-hmm. And um, just so happened that summer, we were very sparse. 
and we said, hey, let's try this for the summer. And it was a home run. And it was very hard to go from brew barn mode to wedding mode. And there was a lot of first two or three years, there was a lot of transitions. We were trying to accommodate, be, be there for everybody. And you don't want to mess with brides. No, you don't. And no. uh, so we made the tough, tough decision at the time. They said we really had to pick the, for customer's sake, for everyone's sake, which way to go. And the brew barn really brings this the farm relevant only in the summer. But now, thanks to this collaboration, it's a daily thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it just livens up the place. Weddings are mostly on Saturdays, right? So I always, it was always sad on a big fall weekend's. On a Sunday, this would be just empty uh, more times than not. But now it's an integral part of the Red Apple Farm country experience is to go to the brew barn. So we're, we're, we're ecstatic for this collaboration, and it just seems to get better and better. And Rick is also the one that presented the idea to go seven days a week, lunch and dinner. And I can remember just saying lunch at Red Apple Farm. <laughs> and it worked, though. It, was, uh, it, was, it took off right from there, and it's only gotten better. It does work. It works really well because this is an established location. You have an established beer. It's very local. There's history involved. And now you're both here at the farm, and it provides a better atmosphere. I, I agree. Why close this, close this down and lose that day where you have the experience to have the farm and to have the brew barn it really speaks to North Central. It speaks to what people are looking for now. They're looking to do more than just one of those things. And to pair it was it's brilliance. Well, you know, and during COVID, um, everyone was looking for fresh air. And, uh, and so it, I think the farm definitely resonates when there, when there is situations like that. There's stress and people want something that's more stable. But when it came to just being outside in open air, you know, it was, it was actually a very uh, fluid for us to continue that process of being seven days a week. But it was very challenging the first year um, to, to learn how to provide food at a whole lot of tables outside. Yeah. And we had a big learning curve, but um, we're excited. And we've got some new new changes happening this year alone. Rick, what is a, someone that just started working today? <laughs> you mean the chef? Yeah. Nick. yeah. Nick oh. Oh, Nick. oh, that? Yeah. yeah. Well, we, we, so you got uh, a new chef. Well, we, we brought our corporate chef in from, from the alehouse. And he brought his lead line cook in from the alehouse. And um, Nick now, the lead line cook, is the head chef here at the brew barn. Look at and, that. And uh, these guys are incredibly excited. Uh, my, my corporate I never had a corporate chef before. <laughs> <laughs> he You're became, moving up, Rick. He, he became a corporate chef the, the, the day he showed up here because yeah. then we had two spots. And, uh, and so he, he was tickled. He, he goes to me, he goes, Rick, thanks for letting me play at the brew barn. It's like, hey man, thanks for playing. Yeah, and he's uh, he's doing an incredible job. And his uh, lead line cook, who's now our chef, our head chef here, is uh, ec- ec- just ecstatic about the whole thing. And I think when you think about the attitude with the brew barn and with Red Apple Farm, you mentioned the word play, and I think that's important because you can tell that the two of you really enjoy what you do, and your staff really enjoys what they do. How integral is that mentality to the success of the brew barn and, and what you have going on here? I think it's everything. It's, uh, you know, we've always said we're providing an authentic New England family farm experience. And if you came out here and sat on a Friday, a typical Friday, I love just watching. There's generations between, you know, grandparents and parents and kids, and they're sitting and just talking. Yeah, the kids are playing, but the parents are having a drink and just socializing. And uh, it's almost old world. And it's something that it's become more common, but it, it's not the true American thing. You know, usually it, it's more of a, 
eat and go, you know. It's mm -hmm. definitely, there is, you know, Thanksgiving, right, where you can sit and talk for a while. But I think that's one of the nicest things of the brew barn is just seeing the quality time people are having to just let it let, let low and let the kids play. And, and you'll see them up on the wall. We're going to be adding a, a jungle gym that will kind of fit in, but where the kids, different ages, you know, we have the sandboxes. So I think it's, it's all about that. It's all about how people feel, and, and they're just having a good time. Well, you're encouraging people to stay. You know, it's not it's, quick. It's, it's not supposed to be. It's the German beer garden theme. Yeah. I mean, this oh, is, yeah. this is not a new idea, but it's this, we, we're not really good about it. The United States, ale referred to people are always eat and run and hit and run, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, come and spend a few hours and let the kids run around between your legs and have adult conversation and things like that and eat good food and good, good beverage. Uh, and, it's, and it's, don't, don't forget the thing you right off the bat said we had to have and that's music. Yeah. Yeah. So we have so, live music. Yeah, it's a it's a place to be. It's a third place, you know. And I remember hearing, and I can't remember who the you know the author, who the the, the person was, or the planner, but they always said that third place. You know, people are looking for places. And Rick, you and I might have had this discussion when I've interviewed you in past places before. That people always have, you know, they've got their home or they've got their church or their ever, yeah. but they're always looking for that third place that acts like a home. And this seems like it can really be that, and is that for a lot of folks in North Central Massachusetts. They've um, uh, actually, the, the Ale House is losing customers to this place a little <laughs> bit, <laughs> but it, 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 it actually all feeds each other because people find out about the Ale House too. But yeah, I have people who live near here now and this is, this is like their, their new place. That was Ray Oldenburg, the great good place, that book. And he wrote it in like in the 1980s and it, it is a, it is a scholarly examination of people in third places, not home, not work, but somewhere else where you can just unwind and be yourself a little differently. That's and this an amazing concept. I love that. And it makes so much sense. And I know you mentioned COVID and having people out here. And one of the things that I think when, the minute you step into the brew barn, you know, it's hot out there today. Um, for those who are listening, it's in the 90s. But it's nice and cool and refreshing in here and you've got a great breeze going by, but there's also the outdoor tables for those that are still a little bit more cautious with things. And you mentioned the outdoor sandbox for kids as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, we, we have three sandboxes um, spread out on the farm here and uh, they get a lot of, a lot of wear and tear. Those, those uh, little vehicles, I don't know how many miles they're putting on every year, but, uh, but it's wonderful. And uh, it doesn't take, I mean, it, it's just the simple things, you know, I think the best things are simple. And kids will gladly just sit on a sandbox and just pick up sand, right? And uh, so I think it's, uh, it's kind of fun to have that, a place where parents, you know, uh, way back I went to, um, a friend of mine was hiking in Wyoming. He was uh, hiking the Continental Divide Trail. And, I, and we were there in the summer. We went out to eat in a, in a restaurant so we could carve up, and it was Italian food. And I remember they had a porch, and they had this tree way out in the distance where they had just a little play area. And my kids were young at the time. You know, they're, they're in their mid-20s now. But back then, it was the first time we went anywhere where our kids were just playing. They'd run up, get a bite, go back and play. And we sat there for hours, of course, you know, drinking wine, having pasta. And I'm like, that was amazing. And, that, and that's what yeah. parents, parents need that. They need a place where they can just, whether they're drinking wine or not, it's just so that everybody can be happy. And it's, it's really hard to do that in certain environments when you have young kids. And also to be able to showcase the farm, a lot of people don't realize exactly where their fruits, where their vegetables come from. And, you know, we're in apple country, so obviously you've got an apple orchard here. That, that's a big aspect of what you do here at Red Apple Farm. But um, what do you think about the opportunity to really showcase what happens at a farm to folks that come to the brew barn? Uh, you know, the first year was very indicative of that because, uh, 
you know, a lot of people always consider us an apple farm because obviously our name, Red Apple Farm, and they, they really think of fall. But, you know, we have a lot of summer crops like blueberries. And we're in the thick of blueberry season. And I remember the first year, a lot of people were coming blueberry picking. They're like, oh, my God, they have a brew barn. You can eat here. And then vice versa, people coming here to the brew barn are like, oh, my God, they have blueberries here. And um, I love watching those. Sunflower season will start pretty soon. We're actually yeah. just starting to pick some. And uh, if you look at the tables, you know, people have their beer and their food and they got their bunches of sunflowers and their blueberries and i think i, I call that cross-pollination so it's it's just it's works on so many levels and fronts and and education and awareness is uh just goes hand in hand and rick how has it been for you having kind of a whole new area to really expose people to moonhill brewing and and really let them know about all the different brews that you have here at moonhill brewing where folks can get it and also over at the garner ale house well we we we're just completely surprised by what what's happening here because it was originally intended to just be another tap location on a really nice place red apple farm but but what's happening is there's this collaboration that's blossoming between the two companies and uh there's a there's an intermarriage of cultures that we have going on here and that ain't easy you know that's you know there's like hey you didn't tell me or or, you know oh i didn't know you were going to do it this way you know there's all that stuff but it's working and so we have two companies that are kind of like a, you know, like a Venn diagram. They have an intersection now. They're, they're, um, they're overlapping. And I want to ask each of you, what's the key to making that intersection work? You know, you, you've both got your own respective companies, but you're coming together on this venture. So how do you make that, that marriage, that relationship work every day? Well, I, I, two things I would say. Just one, it has to be the right personality. <laughs> and, and no, or, it's true. Or take the ality off of that. Thank you. The but right person. The right person. But I mean, that's, that you, you have to have a level of trust that in the end is what it's all about. And, uh, and, and we're fortunate. We, you know, we worked together way before the brew barn and we had a level of trust and and, and understanding we know what motivates ourselves as teams and as a business. So I think that that's a foundation right from the get-go. But the thing I think that we both recognize is that that you, when you're individually in business, you can definitely make some great things happen. But when you put two people together in business, you can make much better things happen that would never happen individually. And that, that's, that's what always is uh, one of the big driving factors when you can actually collaborate and just see something something bigger and better than ever would be. What would you say to that, Rick? I agree. (laughs) (laughs) What what he said. (laughs) So when you talk about collaboration, how crucial is collaboration of of small businesses, of regions, of organizations, when we're dealing with this current economy, we're kind of navigating these different times. How crucial is it for smaller businesses to team up and partner up to survive? We don't, we don't really know. I mean, we know. I think I think that the Roses and and the Waltons of of Moon Hill know what the value of collaboration is. Um, but I don't think people expect it expect it to work. It break it breaks down more often than it works. You know, people getting together so so tightly. But when you can do it, um, you create something that isn't just an expansion of a company. It's not a merger and an acquisition. It's it's a it's a third it's a new thing like the third place mm-hmm. right it's just a it's just a new thing a new entity you've created to answer your question it's it's crucial but it's but it's like a skill even even um luck some luck is required to do this but this is what's going to keep us from dividing ourselves you know among you know political economic lines or something like that you know we just have to work together and, and what else said about 
trust is really is really key you know i mean there, there are things that that happen here that that i do that you know al and nancy might not understand but because they trust me they you know they they they, they just let it play out you know or they'll say something to me and not be afraid that i'm going to walk away and, and and the other way around too with them you know you just you don't you don't uh, convict somebody the minute something happens that you don't understand and and there is a, a, a tendency to convict, you know, when, you know, a lot of, just when you don't know somebody very well. And so you, that, that has to let, be let go. Well, if, the, this collaboration is working really well. Yeah. You've, you've hit it out of the park. Well, we have, and I, I would just say one of the, the, the fruits of our labor is, I think I would highlight, the hard cider. And, you know, I, if you look at, um, it's a true testament of our collaboration where, you know, yes, we've made hard cider on the premises here, and obviously it's a part of being a, a New England apple farmer is making hard cider, but for the collaboration was the having the apple cider farm production side merge with the small batch brewing side where you put the two together, and now you have a product that doesn't just start here. It starts way up there on the, on the level of, of something that's even better and, and more authentic because it... It really leverages the strengths of the, the two of us um, collaboratively. You know, when we make the cider on the premises, our hard, our hard cider fermenting team is part of making the sweet cider. And so you put that all together, and it just makes something so much sweeter. And for those who aren't familiar with the story of how the hard cider came to be here, I understand there was a little bit of outside force that kind of helped in that collaboration as well, where uh, the two of you were actually able to take kind of what would, a lot of people would see as a devastating business challenge and turn it around to a, a great success. Well, I will, I will say that one of the fun, funniest things about 2019 was it was a year we had a hailstorm, which answers your question. So that got us into making hard cider because we had abundance of damaged apples that we just said this was a year to every apple we could, we were going to press and, and ferment it. And, uh, and, it, and the name was Hailstorm. Um, we started as Hailstorm, but we were quickly told season desist on that because somebody else was called hailstorm but it was a fun way to start but i think the the point i was getting at is that was such a hard year to grow apples such a hard year to harvest them it was such a hard year to market them and very challenging trying to educate people and most people were understanding but there's always those few people that that made it very hard and uh but i remember telling all my staff i said you know just think you know 2019 was such a tough year but 2020 was going to be a walk in the park <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and who would ever thought that the whole world was going to get a hailstorm in 2020? Yeah. Everybody had to learn how to pivot. Everybody had to learn how to deal with things outside your control. And, uh, and so I think farming lends itself to always trying to make changes that are just happen like that. You know, what's, what's it take for a hailstorm? matter of like three minutes, right, to mm-hmm. just all of a sudden wipe out your crop. But I, I think that was what got us into really pushing hard in the hard cider. But Rick and I... How long ago did we talk about making hard cider? Over ten years, I'd Over say. Over ten years. Yeah, you, you, Al used to bring it up all the time because he had, you know, old Scrumpy sitting in his basement, and, <laughs> and it wasn't very good. And uh, every every apple farmer has some Scrumpy laying around, just some stuff. They say, well, let's just, you know, see what happens if we leave this in the basement for a year. So Al was always talking about it. And when I came to him, though, I had kind of forgotten about it. I said, well, let's just pour beer in your barn and let, let's see what happens. And he, and he said to me almost immediately, he said, well, what about the hard cider? And I was like, of course. You know, we, so we started conversations about six years ago in earnest. 
heading towards the hard cider idea while we were pouring beer and trying to run a restaurant here. And, and I, you know, just to be clear, one of the things that I think made it a natural evolution is that when it, one of our goals at the farm is to be sustainable and viable and relevant, and those are moving targets. And how do you do that from generation to generation and from, you know, especially relevancy is so difficult to, you know, it's always changing. But if someone had said 10 years ago, hey, how about selling alcohol on your, on your property? I would have, you know, looked at them with a sense of disbelief that why would you ask that kind of question, you know? But obviously that the whole beer garden, everything in the small brew yards, everything became very trendy and it was a no-brainer to do it. But I really think that um, what was made a lot of sense to me is that, you know, we're trying to be authentic here and, uh, the, the, and we're really attracting families and we want to make sure that, that we never lost that. And having the hard cider just really just just dovetails right into what we're doing here. And so I'm, I'm really happy that we jumped in hard with a hard cider and we're, we're having a hard time keeping up with it. Right, oh, Rick? We, we sure are. That's and, uh, a good problem to have. Yeah. yeah. That's a good problem. So you were talking about families and bringing families here. One of the things that Red Apple Farm is known for are events. And I would love, I want to talk, I know you have some events actually coming up, but there's another event that's coming back. Um, last year was its first year back in Gardner. And that is Oktoberfest. And I have here rumblings, and I've seen the coasters, Rick. So I believe that the chair luge is back on this year, which is very exciting. Can you talk a little bit about Oktoberfest? Let's talk, like, the date. What's some of the history behind that? Because what year are we in right now? What year are you for your anniversary? Oh, my God. Well, let's see. 2006, 2022, we've had one every year since. Not a chair luge, but every year since. Mm-hmm. So that's like um, 16, 16 years. 16 years. So 16. Mm-hmm. 16. And um, Oktoberfest is what I call the identity event for the Gardner Ale House and Moonhill Brewing Company. It's, it is who we are. It, is why, it, is, it, it symbolizes why we exist. You know, fun. Part, I, call, I, dub, I dub it party in the street um, because I, I had a wonderful experience at an Oktoberfest celebration in the 1970s in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where they shut Boylston Street down, now called John F. Kennedy Street, and parts of Mass Ave. And basically, Harvard Square was shut. And I'm just walking through the streets. I'm only like 20-something. This was 40 years ago. And I got this stein hanging around my neck. And, and, and every corner there was like a vendor selling beer and chips and burgers and sausages and things. I said, I'm going to do this someday. I am going to do this someday. I don't know where, but I'm going to do it. And, and so it was the very first thing we did at, uh, in 2006 when we opened up. We had it under a tent in the back parking lot. And it's grown ever since. And we added the chair luge to it, which is a, is a comical gravity race where you kind of risk your life on a, a buggy of your own design. And It's a small risk. It's a short yeah. day, people. Yeah. <laughs> now, those designs have gotten a lot more intricate and elaborate. I think if, you know, some people think chair luge, and they might think someone takes an Adirondack chair and, and puts a few wheels on it. But these things are supposed to... Folks yeah. spend a lot of time on these. Yeah, it got it got. We we felt like it got a little too, you know, a little too s- slick, and we wanted to go back to the you know the, the Flintstones kind yeah. of thing, yabba dabba do, and you know, let's put four wheels on anything, just kind of what I did with my my buggy. And some of you know what ended what happened mm-hmm. there. I didn't didn't do go so well for me. Um, so yeah, we're we're coming back. We're coming back really hard with it this year, and uh, we have no idea what kind of... We have a lot of buggies we can, we can luge as we can re, uh, 
reinvigorate. So we'll be giving some away and free sponsorships and stuff. We just want people to go down the hill. Yeah. We're not, not trying to make money on this thing. No. Just, just trying to get a lot of laughs. As, as a wife of a participant, my <laughs> husband has participated in seven or is, eight. Is I can't he, remember. Is he back this oh, year? Oh, he'll be back this year and we're getting a whole new design. And I think that's how a lot of people are seeing this as let's redesign it. Let's uh-huh. start over. And I'm excited to have it back in Gardner. And it's going to be an amazing event as oh. always. Never have missed it. Have Been I there got since news the first for one. you? Charlie, Charlie Baker is, is going to be there. Oh, he's wow. likely is to be the tallest the guy in the crowd. Well, huh? You won't miss him. Is he going to tap the keg? I, I don't think he's going to be there that early because we okay. tap the keg at around 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock. Um, the chairloo starts at 2. But he, he started his gubernatorial career at the Gardner Ale House, I like to think, because he, he was campaigning at our chairloo, you know, in whatever year it was, 2012? Yeah, maybe. 10 or 12. I can't remember. He, he came as a... As a candidate candidate yep and now he's coming back as a uh not going to be the governor song. anymore guy this is his swan song yeah, uh, this event. Is his swan song i love that and, uh, i love he that he has more than once promised that he's coming he like reminds us okay. that he's coming so well i would love to see him there i would love yeah. to and as <laughs> as exciting as that event is and one of my favorites as a gardener citizen i also want to talk to al about the events that are coming up the Red Apple Farm has always had events. We moved to this region 20 years ago, and one of the very first events we came to was in October, and it was up at the farm. And we, I have pictures of my daughters playing, shooting an arrow, bow and arrow with instruction. And we had a great time. And I think many families, as you talked about earlier, generationally come to the farm and generationally continue to come back. So what is the next great event going on, Al? Um. Well, I just want to say that, you know, we have had events here for years, and that's, that's really how the collaboration with Rick and us working together to, hey, you want to create this great memorial, memory of people getting together and having some special occasion. And uh, one of the hardest things with events is just that you can never plan the weather, right? So right. It's, it's always challenging to plan so much ahead, but, you know, it's, they're very difficult to, to have. And, and to be honest with you, with COVID, we couldn't have any events. And it was actually kind of nice to not have to worry about all these events and then everything that goes into it. And I think people always forget just how much goes into planning and organizing an event. But that little respite actually provided a lot more energy. That We're all getting back into it. We had a nice meeting um, last week to plan the Appleseed Country Fair, which is great to see that, that coming back. It came back last year. It's coming back even stronger this year. We've got a, a, a team. Um, North Central Chamber of Commerce has always been a big part of that and glad to see them continue to be a sponsor and supporter of it. And uh, so that's always Labor Day weekend. And that was traditionally sort of a bookend event for us. It kind of kicked off the fall. Um, and the one you mentioned with the archery was our Thanksgiving Harvest Festival. It's been around for a long time. And that's right the weekend before uh, Thanksgiving. Right. And, and that's always been the kind of the, the, the bookends or festivals. And over the years, we said, hey, let's do another event. Let's do this event. And um, last, not this previous weekend, the weekend before was our Blueberry Jamboree. And uh, I think it was only our third time doing it. And it's time to be one of the big blueberry weekends when there's a lot of blueberries. Um, and uh, we, we were, had the biggest turnout ever. And we've had the most people picking blueberries we ever had. Wow, that's so great. So it was great. And uh, the idea with that festival is everything blueberry. So we got blueberry hard cider. We got blueberry donuts, blueberry ice cream, you know, blueberry slushies. Uh, <laughs> we went all blue and uh, no stops. And, and that was great. And, uh, but the, the event that kind of started sort of as a hailstorm where it kind of led us into a path 
that we didn't intend to, but we had a Phythoptera, which is a, not really a fungus, but it's something that's a soil-borne problem that gets into your, into your, it's like a fungus, it gets into your soil on really, really wet years. And I don't know, three or four years ago, it was one of those summers, it never stopped raining, if you can remember. And when the ground gets saturated, you can have this, this problem where at the pumpkin fields just, uh, all of a sudden the pumpkins get white and dissolve. So we had to take out three fields from pumpkins and one of them we have our dig your own potatoes and so forth. And we had to rent some fields down the, down the road to kind of substitute for that. But so what are we going to plant? And uh, the idea came up. We've heard of other farms that had planted sunflowers. And we said, hey, let's plant sunflowers. Let's do a sunflower festival. Now we can't imagine not growing sunflowers and not having a sunflower festival. It's such an integral part of a summer. It's some of our biggest turnouts of the whole year is our sunflower festival. And uh, last year, yeah, the first weekend, we had a hurricane system that came through. And so we had obviously not a lot of tenants. People don't like to pick sunflowers in hurricane conditions no. for some reason. And so we, we extended it to a second weekend. And now we're like, hey, why don't we do that every year? So now we have two weekends of sunflower festivals. So it's the two middle weekends of August. We'll have plenty of sunflowers. And we just love the sunflowers. It's such a fun summer thing. And one of the most beautiful things about that festival is uh, you don't have to market it too much because every single person is taking a picture of sunflowers themselves in the sunflowers. And <laughs> I was, it just goes viral. I was just going to say my family was here in 2021, I think. I can't remember the last time we were all here. And all of my photos on, like, the, every photo was with the sunflowers. My kids, my, and they're grown, and they were like, take my picture. And absolutely, it's it's gorgeous. It's a stunning background. So, yeah, you see a lot of people out there taking pictures that are going to go viral on Instagram, probably. Well, one quick funny thing was uh, we never planted them the first year. We're like, oh, wow, we're timing this just perfect. We've got a field full of sunflowers, and we actually did a drone over the top, and the field was just loaded with sunflowers, and... Uh, we couldn't believe the attendance, and I didn't know we were going to make it through the whole weekend, people picking sunflowers, and somehow we scraped through. I, I, there was probably two sunflowers left in the whole field, <laughs> and uh, that just happened the weekend that the following Monday, Rick, Nancy, and I, and my son Aaron, were actually going to Michigan to Traverse City to go visit friends of ours in the hard cider industry. We were researching getting into hard cider, and, uh, and uh, so we said, wow, that was great. We got through the sunflower festival. We flew back on Friday, and I didn't realize that when you cut sunflowers— the very next weekend, the whole field is full of sunflowers again. So, so we, we, we've learned quickly that sunflowers aren't just a weekend or two. They actually extend right through October. And, and so we do have sunflowers as a good part of the, the fall experience here as well. Another pivot, like another addition. You saw something happen. You said, how can we take advantage instead of saying, oh, we'll just have to wait for better conditions. And instead you implicated, you Im implemented sunflowers and now it's a, an absolute staple at the farm with with a lot of luck like rick would say you know you try a lot of luck you try you just never know and of course you're gonna have entertainment at these festivals but you have entertainment regularly here at the brew barn can you tell us about the live music that you have yeah you said you said earlier that rick said it has to include music we have to if we're going to do this it has to have music yeah it's a it's a it's a necessity now um the, the places are they they, they just they lack life somehow, especially outdoor places. If you don't have, you don't you don't want to have live music like twenty four seven kind of thing. But you want to pepper the day, especially the weekend. You know, twelve to three, four to six kind of thing. Um, it's real important. I mean, if people don't have it, they won't come. I mean, they'll they'll come maybe to pick some blueberries or something like that. But they they won't stay. They won't hang around. The music's really important. And for the sunflower festival, it 
We try to make that a little bit of a hippie fest. You know, we try to, you know, the old flower in your hair kind of thing, you know, San Francisco and all that. It's a, you know, kind of a Grateful Dead theme going on there a little bit. And, uh, and the music is just a tremendously big, big part of it. And, yeah, those sunflowers just keep on coming. Like the blueberries. I mean, we got blueberries like crazy still oh, here. You know, yeah, we they, don't, they don't stop. So I've seen, and I've gone on the website, how, what are some of the bands coming for Sunflower Fest? Oh man, I, I couldn't I couldn't even tell you. So because you have a huge lineup this year. Yeah, I, I would I would have to look it up. You know that's that's Fern Parker's department, and she just throws all these names at us, and I go, yeah, yeah, Fern, it's all yours. Just do it. You She's know? amazing. And so if I'm named a band, I would be wrong. And so you know, <laughs> but but we have you know now that we've been doing this for years, we've got some amazing you know solos and bands that yeah. come here, and, and and you can just see the. The, the vibe, you know, the way it, many bands just attract a lot of people, and people just love love coming. You know, for Al, that's that very hip of you. Thank vibe, you. vibing yep. is very big. It's <laughs> very big right now. I taught him that word. Hashtag yeah, vibing. <laughs> I just want to say, if you have a festival that's vibing, you, the you're, whole you've won. thing. I got. I think I got it out of him. You know. <laughs> I'm learning. <laughs> and you have a stage in the corner, and you bring so many acts in, and I think it's amazing the diversity of the groups that come in. And I know earlier Rick said being like a kid in the candy store for, for, for alcohol uh, right now, but also for, for live music. I mean, you come to the brew barn, it's like a kid in a candy store. You're going to get something different on that stage every week. Yeah. And we, um, you know, we're, we're doing local, you know, it's just, you know, these people, they come here, they bring their friends. We, we put them on, we put them on the stage. You know, we love having them. We're on a first name basis with a lot of them. I'm not going to say all of them, but you know, um, it's part of the community. Yeah, and I, and I just I, I like I like to associate it as a layer, you know. And it's like it's one of those neat layers where anyone that comes here, you're supporting a local community, like Rick was saying. But you know, during COVID, we were one of the few places where musicians could play. Yeah. And and it is important that you know people re- realize that when they're spending a dollar here, it's supporting a lot, a lot of bands, a lot of local people, and a lot of people that. Um, you know, they, that's that's important to them, and it's important to us. So I, I I love the, it's it's a flavor. Every time is different. Every band is different. They, uh, you know, they, they they play different music, but it's just something that I think it's only going to get better and better as as we get better at it. And if you're just joining us right now, we are chatting with Al Rose and also Rick Walton. We're here at Red Apple Farm in Phillips and talking about Red Apple Farm, talking about the brew barn, and of course talking about Moonhill Brewing and Gardner Alehouse. Um, Al, for listeners that want more information on Red Apple Farm, on the Brew Barn, and about these events coming up, the Sunflower Festival, the Appleseed Country Fair, where can they go? Well, the, the great thing is you can go to our individual websites, which is actually redapplefarm.com. Well, GardnerL.com yeah. will lead you to the Brew Barn, and the Brew Barn will lead you to the, to the right, festivals. Right. But we do have our own BrewBarnMA.com, yep, and that actually, yeah. uh, they all kind of connect to that to really have a resource of the latest and greatest. And yeah. Rick, for all things in Gardner, Gardner Alehouse, Moonhill Brewing, where do listeners go? Well, they go to 74 Barker Street, the Gardner <laughs> Alehouse, but they go to GardnerL.com if they want to know what's going on. Gentlemen, I want to thank both of you for your time. I know it's a very busy time of year, so we do appreciate you sitting down with us and with our listeners for the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Travis Condon here, also with Cat Deal, and uh, we hope to speak to you soon. Thank you guys for hitting the road with us. All right. thank, thank you, you guys. Thank appreciate you. it. You've been listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts. This podcast is produced by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. For more information on this episode, links to other episodes on Podbean, or if you have any questions, please visit northcentralmass.com.